0: 9. Ablaze, or discontented with their future in the Philippines, to the district offered to him by the British North Borneo Company, there, under the protection of the British flag, but in their accustomed climate, with familiar surroundings amid their own people, a new kalamba would be established, Filipinos would there have a chance to prove to the world what they were capable of, and their free condition would inevitably react on the neighboring Philippines and help to bring about better government there. Rizal had no intention of renouncing his Philippine allegiance, for he always regretted the naturalization of his countrymen abroad, considering it a loss to the country which needed numbers to play the influential part he hoped it would play in awakening Asia. All his arguments were for British justice and equality before the law, for he considered that political power was only a means of securing and assuring fair treatment for all, and in itself of no interest. With such ideas he sailed for home. Bearing the Spanish consul's passport, he left two letters in Hong Kong with his friend Dr. Marquez marked, to be opened after my death, and their contents indicate that he was not unmindful mindful of how little regards pain had had in his country for her plighted honor, one was to his beloved parents, brother and sisters, and friends, the affection that I have ever professed for you suggests this step, and time alone can tell whether or not it is sensible, their outcome decides things by results but whether that be favorable or unfavorable, it may always be said that duty urged me. So if I die in doing it, it will not matter. I realize how much suffering I have caused you. Still I do not regret what I have done. Rather, if I had to begin over again, still I should do just the same, for it has been only duty. Gladly do I go to expose myself to peril, not as any expiation of misdeeds for in this matter I believe myself guiltless of any but to complete my work and myself offer the example of which I have always preached, a man ought to die for duty and his principles, I hold fast to every idea which I have advanced as to the condition and future of our country, and shall willingly die for it, and even more willingly to procure for you justice and peace, with pleasure, then, I risk life to save so many innocent persons so many nieces and nephews, so many children of friends, and children, too. Of others who are not even friends who are suffering on my account, what am I, a single man, practically without family, and sufficiently undeceived as to life, I have had many disappointments and the future before me is gloomy, and will be gloomy if light does not illuminate it, the dawn of a better day for my native land, on the other hand, there are many individuals, filled with hope and ambition, who perhaps all might be happy were I dead, and then I hope my enemies would be satisfied and stop persecuting so many entirely innocent people, to a certain extent their hatred is justifiable as to myself, and my parents and relatives, should fate go against me, you will all understand that I shall die happy in the thought that my death will end all your troubles, return to our country and may you be happy in it, till the last moment of my life I shall be thinking of you and wishing you all good fortune and happiness. The other letter was directed to the Filipinos, and said, the step which I am taking, or rather am about to take, is undoubtedly risky, and it is unnecessary to say that I have considered it some time. I understand that almost everyone is opposed to it, but I know also that hardly anybody else comprehends what is in my heart. I cannot live on seeing so many suffer unjust persecutions on my account, I cannot bear longer the sight of my sisters and their numerous families treated like criminals. I prefer death and cheerfully shall relinquish life to free so many innocent persons from such unjust persecution. I appreciate that at present the future of our country gravitates in some degree around me, that at my death many will feel triumphant, and, in consequence, many are wishing for my fall. But what of it? I hold duties of conscience above all else. I have obligations to the families who suffer, to my aged parents whose sighs strike me to the heart, I know that I alone, Only with my death can make them happy, returning them to their native land and to a peaceful life at home. I am all my parents have, but our country has many, many more sons who can take my place and even do my work better. Besides, I wish to show those who deny us patriotism that we know how to die for duty and principles. What matters death? If one dies for what one loves, for native land and beings held dear, If I thought that I were the only resource for the policy of progress in the Philippines and were I convinced that my countrymen were going to make use of my services, perhaps I should hesitate about taking this step, but there are still others who can take my place, who, too, can take my place with advantage. Furthermore, there are perchance those who hold me unneeded and my services are not utilized, resulting that I am reduced to inactivity. Always have I loved our unhappy land and I am sure that I shall continue loving it till my latest moment, in case men proven unjust to me, my career, my life, my happiness, all have I sacrificed for love of it, whatever my fate, I shall die blessing it and longing for the dawn of its redemption, and then followed the note, make these letters public after my death, suspicion of the Spanish authorities was justified, the consul's cablegram notifying Governor General de Spadal, that Rizal had fallen into their trap, sent the day of issuing the, safe conduct, or special passport, bears the same date as the secret case filed against him in Manila, for anti-religious and anti-patriotic agitation, on that same day the deceitful despotal was confidentially inquiring of his executive secretary whether it was true that Rizal had been naturalized as a German subject, and, if so, what effect would that have on the Governor General's right to take executive action? that island could he deport one who had the protection of a strong nation with the same disregard for the forms of justice that he could a Filipino. This inquiry is joined to an order to the local authorities in the provinces near Manila instructing them to watch the comings and goings of their prominent people during the following weeks. The scheme resembled that which was concocted prior to 72. But Governor General de la was honest in his reforms. Dispatch all may, or may not, have been honest in other matters but as concerns result, there is no lack of proof of his perfidy. The confidential file relating to this part of the case was forgotten in destroying and removing secret papers when Manila passed into a democratic conqueror's hands, and now whoever wishes may read, in the Bureau of Archives, documents which the Conde Casp, to use a noble title for an ignoble man, considered safely hidden, as with Weiler's confidential letter to the Friar Landlords, These discoveries convict their writers of bad faith, with no possibility of mistake. This point in the reformed Spanish writer's biography of Rizal is made occasion for another of his treacherous attacks upon the good name of his pretended hero, just as in the land troubles Ritana held that legally Governor General Whaler was justified in disregarding an appeal pending in the courts. So in this connection he declares, Discojol unquestionably had been deceived by Rizal when, from Hong Kong he offered to despot all not to meddle in politics, that risal meddled in politics rests solely upon despot word, and it will be seen later how little that is worth, but, politics or no politics, risal's fate was settled before he ever came to Manila, risal was accompanied to Manila by his sister Lucia, widow of that brother-in-law who had been denied Christian burial because of his relationship to risal in the Basa home, among other waste papers, and for that use, She had gathered up five copies of a recent proclamation, entitled, Pobras Frileys, Poor Friars, a small sheet possibly two inches wide and five long. These, crumpled up, were tucked into the case of the pillow which Mrs. Hervosa used on board, later, rolled up in her blankets and bed mat, or petate. They went to the custom house along with the other baggage, and of course were discovered in the rigorous examination which the officers always made how strict Philippine customs searches were. Henry Norman, an English writer of Travels, explains by remarking that Manila was the only port where he had ever had his pockets picked officially. His visit was made at about the time of which we are writing, and the object, he says, was to keep out anti-friar publications. Rizal and his sister landed without difficulty, and he at once went to the Orient Hotel, then the best in town for Risal always traveled and lived as became a member of a well-to-do family. Next he waited on the governor-general, with whom he had a very brief interview, for it happened to be on one of the numerous religious festivals, during which he obtained favorable consideration for his deported sisters. Several more interviews occurred in which the hopes first given were realized, so that those of the family then awaiting exile were pardoned and those already deported were to be returned at an early date. One night Rizal was the guest of honor at a dinner given by the masters and wardens of the Masonic Lodges of Manila, and he was surprised and delighted at the progress the institution had made in the islands, then he had another task not so agreeable, for, while awaiting a delayed appointment with the Governor-General, he with two others ran up on the new railway to Tarlac, ostensibly this was to see the country, but it was not for a pleasure trip. They were investigating the sales of Rizal's books and trying to find out what had become of the money received from them, for while the author's desire had been to place them at so low a price as to be within the reach of even the poor, it was reported that the sales had been few and at high prices, so that copies were only read by the wealthy whose desire to obtain the rare and much-discussed novels led them to pay exorbitant figures for them. Rizal's party, consisting of the secretary of one of the lodges of Manila, and another mason, a prominent school teacher, were under constant surveillance and a minute record of their every act is preserved in the, reserved, files, now, of course, so only in name, as they are no longer secret, immediately after they left a house it would be thoroughly searched and the occupant strictly questioned, in spite of the precautions of the officials, Rizal soon learned of this, and those whom they visited were warned of what to expect, in one home so many forbidden papers were on hand that Risal delayed his journey till the family completed their task of carrying them upstairs and hiding them in the roof. At another place he came across an instance of superstition such as that which had caused him to cease his sleight of hand exhibitions on his former return to the islands. Their host was a man of little education but great hospitality. And the party were most pleasantly entertained. During the conversation he spoke of Risol, but did not seem to know that his hero had come back to the Philippines. His remarks drifted into the wildest superstition, and, after asserting that Rizal bore a charmed life, he startled his audience by saying that if the author of Nolly Me Tanher cared to do so, he could be with them at that very instant. At first the three thought themselves discovered by their host, but when Rizal made himself known, the old man proved that he had had no suspicion of his guest's identity for he promptly became busy preparing his home for the search which they realized would shortly follow. On another occasion their host was a stranger whom Resol treated for a temporary illness, leaving a prescription to be filled at the drugstore. The name signed to the paper was a revelation, but the first result was activity in cleaning house. No fact is more significant of the utter rottenness of the Spanish rule than the unanimity of the people in their discontent. Only a few persons at first were in open opposition but books, pamphlets and circulars were eagerly sought, read and preserved, with the knowledge generally, of the whole family, despite the danger of possessing them, at times, as in the case of Rizal's novels, an entire neighborhood was in the secret, the book was buried in a garden and dug up to be read from at a gathering of the older men, for which a dance gave pretext, informers were so rare that the possibility of treachery among themselves was hardly reckoned in the risk, The authorities were constantly searching dwellings, often entire neighborhoods, and with a thoroughness which entirely disregarded the possibility of damaging an innocent person's property. These domiciliary registrations were, of course, supposed to be unexpected, but in the later Spanish days the intended victims usually had warning from some employee in the office where it was planned, or from some domestic of the official in charge, very often, however, The warning was so short as to give only time for a hasty destruction of incriminating documents and did not permit of their being transferred to other hiding places, thus large losses were incurred, and to these must be added damages from dampness when a hole in the ground, the inside of a post, or cementing up in the wall furnished the means of concealment, fires, too, were frequent and such events attracted so much attention that it was scarcely safe to attempt to save anything of an incriminating nature. Six years of war conditions did their part toward destroying what little had escaped. And from these explanations the reader may understand how it comes that the tangled story of Spain's last half century here presents an historical problem more puzzling than that of much more remote times in more favored lands. It seems almost providential that the published statement of the Governor-General can be checked not only by an account which Rizal secretly sent to friends, but also by the candid memoranda contained in the untruthful executive's own secret folios. While some inessential details of Rizal's career are in doubt, not a point vital to establishing his good name lacks proof that his character was exemplary and that he is worthy of the hero worship which has come to him. After Rizal's return to Manila from his railway trip he had the promised interview with the Governor-General. At their previous meetings the discussions had been quite informal. Rizal, in complimenting the General upon his inauguration of reforms, mentioned that the Philippine system of having no restraint whatever upon the Chief Executive had at least the advantage that a well-disposed Governor-General would find no red tape hindrances to his plans for the public benefit. But Disputal professed to believe that the best of men make mistakes and that a wise government would establish safeguards against this human fallibility. The final, and fatal, interview began with the Governor-General asking Rizal if he still persisted in his plan for a Filipino colony in British North Borneo. Disputal had before remarked that with so much Philippine land lying idle for want of cultivation it did not seem to him patriotic to take labor needed at home away for the development of a foreign land. Riesel's former reply had dealt with the difficulty the government was in respecting the land troubles, since the tenants who had taken the old renters' places now also must be considered. And he pointed out that there was, besides, a bitterness between the parties which could not easily be forgotten by either side. So this time he merely remarked that he had found no reason for changing his original views. Hereupon the general took from his desk the five little sheets of the poor friar's handbill, which he said had been found in the roll of bedding sent with Risol's baggage to the custom house, and asked whose they could be. Risol answered that of course the general knew that the bedding belonged to his sister Lucia, but she was no fool and would not have secreted in a place where they were certain to be found five little papers which, hidden within her camisa or placed in her stocking, would have been absolutely sure to come in and noticed. Risol, neither then nor later, knew the real truth which was that these papers were gathered up at random and without any knowledge of their contents. If it was a crime to have lived in a house where such seditious printed matter was common, then Rizal, who had openly visited Boss's home, was guilty before ever the handbills were found, but no reasonable person would believe another rational being could be so careless of consequences as to bring in openly such dangerous material. The very title WAS in sarcastic allusion to the inconsistency of a religious order being an immensely wealthy organization, while its individual members were out to poverty. News, published everywhere except in the Philippines, of losses sustained in outside commercial enterprises running into the millions, WAS made the text for showing how money, professedly raised in the Philippines for charities was not so used and was invested abroad in fear of that day of reckoning when tyranny would be overthrown in anarchy and property would be insecure. The belief of the pious Filipinos, fostered by their religious exploiters, that the Pope would suffer great hardship if their share of Peter's Pence was not prompt and full, was contrasted with another newspaper story of a rich dowry given to a favorite niece by a former Pope but that in no way taught the truth that the head of the church was not put to bodily discomfort whenever a poor Filipino failed to come forward with his penny. Dispojal managed to work himself into something like a passion over this alleged disrespect to the Pope, and ordered Risal to be taken as a prisoner to Fort Santiago by the nephew who acted as his aide. Like most facts, this version runs a middle course between the extreme stories which have been current, like circulars may have been printed at the Asilo de Malabon. As has been asserted, these certainly came from Hong Kong and were not introduced by any archbishop's nephew on duty at the Custom House, as another tale suggests. On the other hand, the circular was the merest pretext, and despot did not act in good faith, as many claim that he did. It may be of interest to reprint the handbill from a facsimile of an original copy, Pobre's Frileys, Acaba de as U.S. Pages and Banco, Acaba de Cabre New Oriental, Grands Pedidas en la India, en la Isla Mauricio al Sur de África, Cyclones y Tempestades a Cabarón con su Podero, Tragnados Masti Area Code 36000000 de pesos, estos traen de YCs Milans representaban las Esperanzas, las Economías, el Binistar y el Porvenir de Numerosos Individuos y Familias, entre los que más han sufrido podemos contar alerta. Corporación de los PP Dominicos. Que pierden en este muchos cientos de miles. No southeast sabe lo que da exacto por tanto dinero. Southeast la envia de aqua y tantos depósitos hacen. Que southeast necesit erlan muchos contadores para calcular elements cotal de que disponen. Pero. No southeast afligen los amigos NI i en los enemigos de los santos monges Que probes Vote de pobreza. Uno's y otros la lagiramos que pueden estar tranquilos. La corporación tiene en muchos millones depositados en los bancos de Hong Kong. Y N K todos K Brassen. Y N K Southeast Daram Basin S U S Miles de costes de Alguiler. C A U S curates White haciendas. La que darían los Filipinos de cuestos C A unir para no Question mark Q que son cuatrocientos o quinientos mil. Southeast Govan La to de Recoro Los Pueblos, White Edder most Nahua no, y Southeast Resarcian de ESA Perdida. Hacen en OQ. No, Por la Mail Administración de Los Cardinals. El Papa Perdido, Area Code 1-4-0-0-0-0-0 000 000 Del Dinero de San Pedro, El Papa. Para cubrir el deficit. Acudir a nosotros y nosotros recogimos de nuestros tempipes el ultimo real. Porque c- QL muscu- papatian muchas Ancionis, he DE cinco años caso a un sobrino de y 300.000 francos edmas. Actan es fuecholios generosos Filipinos. Y so corto los dominicos igualmente edmas. Esos Santonare's de miles perdidos no son dielos. question mark como los iban a recit- en, en voto de polbresa. Hey, que creer los pius cuando, para cubriros, dicen que son de los huérfanos y de las viudas, me les seguramente prudenciar Los el a las viudas y a los huérfanos de Calamba, y quien sabe si los distordos meridos y los managen los virtuosos frile solo a titulo de depositarios para devolverlos después religiosamente con todos sus intereses cuando la güey el día de rendir sabe, Que major que podía encargarse de recoger los pocos hibieres mientras las casas ardían. We loss las viudas y los huérfanos sin encontrar hospitalidad. Que southeast hibia prohibido darles alberg. Mientras los hombres estaban presos o Question mark en major que los dominicos para tanto valor. Tonda audacia y Tonda humanidad. Pero. Ahor el diablo southeast halavado el dinero de los huérfanos y de los viudas. Y es temer que southeast levá también el resto. Pius cuando el diablo lo empieza lo A caber. Tendría ese dinero mela procedencia. Esa es el Nosotros los recomendaríamos a los dominicos que digís en con Desnudo sala del vientre de miles madre españa. Y desnudo volver a la, lo dio el diablo. El Diablo Southeast Low Olivo, Bendito C. El Nombre del Señor, F.R. Jacinto, Manila, Imprenta de los Amigos del Pais, Chapter IX The Deportation to Dapitan as soon as Rizal was lodged in his prison, a room in Fort Santiago. The Governor General began the composition of one of the most extraordinary official documents ever reissued in this land where the strangest governmental acts have abounded. It is Apology, Argument, and attack all in one, and was published in the official gazette, where it occupied most of an entire issue. The effect of the righteous and the red display suffers somewhat when one knows how all was planned from the day Resol was decoyed from Hong Kong under the faithless safe conduct. Another enlightening feature is the copy of a later leper, preserved in that invaluable secret file, wherein disp- All Rights Resol's custodian as jailer to allow the exile in no circumstances to see this number of the Gazette or to know its contents, and suggests several evasions to assist the subordinate's power of invention. It is certainly a strange indignation which fears that its object shall learn the reason for wrath, nor is it a credible spectacle when one beholds the chief of a government giving private lessons in lying. A copy of the Gazette was sent to the Spanish consul in Hong Kong also a Cablegram directing him to give it publicity that, Spain's good name might not suffer, in that colony. By his blunder, not knowing that the Lusitania Club was really a Portuguese Masonic Lodge and full of Risol's friends, a copy was sent there and a strong reply was called forth. The friendly editor of the Hong Kong Telegraph devoted columns to the outrage by which a man whose acquaintance in the scientific world reflected honor upon his nation, was decoyed to what was intended to be his death exiled to, an unhealthful, savage spot, through, a plot of which the very Borgias would have been ashamed. The British consul in Manila, too, mentioned in officially to Governor General all that it seemed a strange way of showing Spain's often professed friendship for Great Britain us to disregard the annoyance to the British colony of North Borneo caused by making impossible an entirely unexceptionable plan. Likewise. In much the same respectfully remonstrant tone which the great powers are wont to use in recalling to semi-savage states their obligations to civilization, he pointed out how Spain's prestigious and advanced nation would suffer when the educated world, in which Rizal was Spain's best known representative, learned that the man whom they honored had been trapped out of his security under the British flag and sent into exile without the slightest form of trial. Almost the last act of Rizal while at liberty was the establishment of the Liga the Filipina, a league or association seeking to unite all Filipinos of good character for concerted action toward the economic advancement of their country, for a higher standard of manhood, and to assure opportunities for education and development to talented Filipino youth. Resistance to oppression by lawful means was also urged, For Rizal believed that no one could fairly complain of bad government until he had exhausted and found in availing all the legal resources provided for his protection. This was another expression of his constant teaching that slaves, those who toady to power, and men without self-respect made possible and fostered tyranny, abuses and disregard of the rights of others. The character test was also a step forward for the profession of patriotism has often been made to cloak moral shortcomings in the Philippines as well as elsewhere. Rizal urged that those who would offer themselves on the altar of their fatherland must conform to the standard of old, and, like the sacrificial lamb, be spotless and without blemish. Therefore, no one who had justifiably been prosecuted for any infamous crime was eligible to membership in the new organization. The plan, suggested by a Spanish Masonic society called Cicados Ciccia, originated with José María Bossa, at whose instance Rizal drafted the constitution and regulations. Possibly all the members were Freemasons of the educated and better to-do class, and most of them adhered to the doctrine that peaceably obtained reforms and progress by education are surest and best. Rizal's arrest discouraged those of this higher faith, for the peaceable policy seemed hopeless, while the radical element freed from Riesel's restraining influence and deeming the time for action come, formed a new and revolutionary society which preached force of arms as the only argument left to them, and sought its membership among the less enlightened and poorer class. Their inspiration was Andrus Bonifacio, a shipping clerk for a foreign firm, who had read and reread accounts of the French Revolution till he had come to believe that blood alone could wipe out the wrongs of a country, his organization, the Sons of the Country, more commonly called the Catepunon, was, however, far from being as bloodthirsty as most Spanish accounts, and those of many credulous writers who have got their ideas from them, have asserted, to enlist others in their defense, those who knew that they were the cause of dissatisfaction spread the report that a race war was in progress and that the Catepunros were planning the massacre of all of the white race, it was a sufficiently absurd statement, but it was made even more ridiculous by its proof, for this was the discovery of an apron with a severed head, a hand holding it by the hair and another grasping the dagger which had done the bloody work. This emblem, handed down from ancient days as an object lesson of faithfulness even to death, has been known in many lands besides the Philippines, but only here has it ever been considered anything but an ancient symbol as reasonably might the paintings of martyrdoms in the convents be taken as evidence of evil intentions upon the part of their occupants. But prejudice looks for pretexts rather than reasons, and this served as well as any other for the excesses of which the government in its frenzy of fear was later guilty. In talking of the Katipunan one must distinguish the first society, limited in its membership, from the organization of the days of the Aguinaldo Republic, so called, one throughout the Tagalog provinces and in the chief towns of other provinces as well. Adherence to the revolutionary government entailed membership in the revolutionary society, and neither of these two katapunans bore any relation, except in name and emblems, to the robber bands whose valor was displayed after the war had ceased and whose patriotism consisted in wronging and robbing their own defenseless countrymen and countrywomen, while carefully avoiding encounters with any able to defend themselves. Rizal's arrest had put an end to all hope of progress under Governor-General de It had left the political field in possession of those countrymen who had not been in sympathy with his campaign of education. It had caused the succession of the revolutionary Catapunan to the economic lie the Filipina. With talk of independence supplanting Rizal's ambition for the return of the Philippines to their former status under the Constitution of Catas. But the victim of the arrest was at peace as he had not been in years. The sacrifice for country and for family had been made, but it was not to cost him life, and he was human enough to wish to live. A visitor's room in the fort and books from the military library made his detention comfortable, for he did not worry about the Spanish sentries without his door who were placed there under orders to shoot anyone who might attempt to signal to him from the plaza. One night the Governor General's nephew Abe came again to the fort and Rizal embarked on the steamer which was to take him to his place of exile. But closely as he was guarded he risked dropping a note which a Filipino found and took, as it directed, to Mrs. Rizal's cousin, Vice Adeliga, who lived in Col Jose, Trozo. Thus the family were advised of his departure, this incident shows Rizal's perfect confidence in his countrymen and the extent to which it was justified. He could risk a chance finder to take so dangerous a leper to its address. On the steamer he occupied an officer's cabin and also found a Filipino quartermaster, of whom he requested a life preserver for his stateroom. Evidently he was not entirely confident that there were no hostile designs against him. Accidents had rid the Philippines of troublesome persons before his time, and he was determined that if he sacrificed his life for his country, it should be openly He realized that the tree of liberty is often watered with the blood of secret as well as open martyrs. The same boat carried some soldier prisoners, one of whom was to be executed in Mindanao, and their case was not particularly creditable to Spanish ideas of justice. A Spanish officer had dishonorably interfered with the domestic relations of a sergeant, also Spanish, and the aggrieved party had inflicted punishment upon his superior, with the help of some other soldiers for allowing himself to be punished, not for his own disgraceful act. The officer was dismissed from the service, but the sergeant was to go to the scene of his alleged crime, there to suffer death, while his companions who had assisted him in protecting T